This has been 30 years in the making. You and I were talking about podcasts at McEwen in 92. We were. People we were, didn't know, <laughs> we didn't were know so ahead of the time. People were like, what do you mean pod? No. Like, like some kind of creepy. And remember pod. your line was, oh, you'll see. See, you'll see. Yeah. And then someone, I think, took my idea, took your idea. And yeah. now it's this whole thing. And we're completely out of it. Late to the game. And we lost a lot of money. And that's okay. Because I was never in music for money anyway. No, and I, yeah, I like you, I'm not into money at all. I choose to live in Edmonton. I choose that. It, it didn't choose me. I chose to stay here. Yeah. I could have gone, whew, I could have gone like outside Edmonton, like Spruce Grove, Stony, but I chose right here. Yeah, I, I had many offers to uh, to reside in Balzac or Sexsmith. I remember that. And uh, I chose, torn. no, you know, and intriguing as it was to say, I am Chris Andrew of Balzac. I didn't. C-A-B, Chris Andrew of Balzac, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, this is Chris Andrew, and this is uh, Keys to Life podcast. We hope that this will serve as uh, a way to talk about the things that musicians um, go through, the the challenges that maybe we don't normally talk about. And this sort of came out, this idea came out of a chat you and I had a couple weeks ago. Uh, We were just sitting talking at the Italian Center. Yeah. And we talked for like two hours. I feel like I got to call my wife and tell her, like, she's like, where are you really? No, no, really. I'm with Chris hanging out. But it was such a good talk. It was. It really was. You were talking about some of your students, and I was thinking, man, some of the angst that we went through or maybe the hidden angst say that we went through in college the angst that goes on at gigs you know working with clients that i I still get today some of this this stuff like it's it's not easy eh? yeah so that's our hope i think for this podcast and see what comes out of it but uh, if you're listening that's what our desire is that you know you're not uh you're not abnormal to think man you've got these anxieties or these thoughts or questions or or doubts or or joys all these kinds of things yeah, I think it, that's what really struck me of the conversation we had is just realizing that we're all kind of in the same, a lot of us have the same thoughts. And even more so maybe for our generation or the generation before us where you really didn't talk about that yeah. because it, it it was like you were admitting weakness or just not being capable of actually doing what you were supposed to do so which it you know now now we all know that that's just not the case it's just i know when we when i left that conversation i just had this you know, like a real sense of um i'm not going to use peace but just i didn't feel alone like okay this is cool even though we're kind of in different circles like a lot of that stuff it doesn't matter it applies across the board yeah i think it applies in lots of professions for sure and i don't know that i i don't know that i had the mechanisms or that we were even taught the mechanisms to deal with i mean we were given a class we had professionalism that was a class and maybe you still do you still have a, a version of that yeah it's uh i think they have they've kind of split it up there's like a business uh, i'm not entirely sure what its official name is but there's like yeah. a music business course and then there's these courses called performance practice there's two of them Right in third and fourth year, and they'll they'll talk about some of those things for sure. Well, there was good stuff there, but it, it didn't really get to. And maybe we're at that age. Would it have mattered? Like we were twenty twenty two kind of thing that age, right? We would if we had those tools, would we have opened up and said, "Hey, I'm really 
scared to go on stage. I really worry about this, or I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm going to become a musician. How do I do a contract? How do I, you know, how do I hire people? How do I work with an angry client or anything like that? What What's all that about? We didn't have. We we're just you know maybe we were just trying to be cool or just trying to. I don't know what that was. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think maybe we would have had the capacity to to talk about those things. But I, I mean, I. It's just, it was ingrained that it's a show of weakness. You know, yeah. I couldn't go, like, maybe you would ask a teacher that if if that was being taught or dealt with. But for you to go to a peer or someone that you were going to school with and just say, hey, how are you dealing with this? Like, right. are you going through this? You know, I, I don't know of that conversation. I mean, I could be completely wrong because I know I didn't feel like I could. Yeah have that that conversation and maybe that was my ignorance just assuming that everyone it would be perceived i would be perceived at the as this messed up um insecure yeah. Yeah. um i have issues and we do we are which, yeah, messed up yeah and i fully admit <laughs> No. And it doesn't really change. I just think we become become more comfortable with the fact that we're messed up and have issues, right? But yeah. then you've got to kind of keep that face, right? You've got to keep that. Um, and I I know for me, a lot of times I would walk around just intimidated by something I'd have to do or another player or someone else's success. Someone else got a great gig or I'd be asked to. I mean, I was more commercial and there, the, there was kind of more of the jazz guys. And I always yeah. felt like I never really got the, the really intense jazz stuff. And I've... You know, once in a while, I have to fill in those ensembles, and I was just sick to my stomach. Yeah. Instead of being able to come and say, "Hey guys," and not try to have excuses, but say, "Hey, this is really my thing, but I'm really thankful to play with you guys. I'll do it again." Try and it was just awkward. I just didn't understand. And this remember a guy, Darren Radke. We were walking down the hallway. Darren was a, a great, great musician. He's, yeah, he's a great still musician, is, yeah. bass player in BC. And Darren and I were walking down the hallway, and this is how little I knew about jazz. He said, uh, "Let's go listen to some Billy Holiday records." And I said, "I've never heard of him." He's like. Okay, you got to listen to Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. I thought it was like a country artist. I was eighteen or no, I was twenty then. I had no idea. I'd never heard this stuff. So I was out. I was clueless. But I didn't really have those tools to admit I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. I just need, you know. I guess going to school is an admittance that you need. You want to learn. But yeah, having that, I was clueless and I didn't know what to what to do about it. Yeah, but in that situation, I mean, maybe more so than any other faculty, there's. There is an ego uh, element to it, definitely, where you're, yeah, it shouldn't be, you know, if you're in this ensemble, everyone, if you're filling in, there should be this positive, yeah, okay, it's not your thing, but you're yeah. going to do the best that you possibly can in that situation, uh, which is going to push you. And yeah, it might not be the ideal situation, but the you know, trying to find, have the other students be supportive of that um, and not condemn. Right. And I think that's, I mean, nowadays it seems like a little less of that in in certain situations, but it's still definitely, it's a lot of judging going on. I think even now, even at our age, I mean, you listen to, that's still, that's still the case. Still, I don't think we of ever course. Did, But we judge ourselves. I mean, I'm, I'm hardest on myself, always making excuses for, you know, why I didn't play this passage better or learn this tune or I didn't show up well to this gig and making excuses for it. Because I think at the end of the day, we, you know, we want to look good. We want to, we want to feel like we're, we're accomplished. Well, you yeah, you dedicate your life to it, right? 
And that's, you dedicate your life to it um, hours a day or, you know, like getting ready for gigs, playing gigs. And you you want to be loved for that or mm-hmm. appreciated for that. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily equate to like being amazing or being sought after. It's just like this acceptance. It's almost like it's tied into your personality, which it shouldn't. You know, if, if I'm on a gig and someone doesn't like my playing, I automatically assume they disrespect me as a human being. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Like if I went to an accountant and they're a bad accountant, I yeah. would just literally say, you suck but I'm not judging them as a human being. But I think as artists, it's too, we, yeah, can, it's we, can, we can bundle all that up because it is, you know, it is, it is an extremely personal um, journey that we bring out. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're writing, if you're improvising, if you're playing a solo piano gig, if you're playing pop tunes, whatever, like this is you doing that. And it's not, it's, it shouldn't speak to your personality. It should be separate. So I always admired the guys and girls that would get into it. They get into music and they get like when they play, they were into it. And there was something about maybe the way I was brought up, maybe it was my heritage that I never allowed myself to really, really drift into a tune and just be kind of taken away by it. Like it was almost like it was a sign of weakness. And maybe that was my family, like, you know, just, hey, you can do music and you make money at it. And that's, that was it. But, and I sort of, for a while, I kind of would mock the artists that would be like so into it, or they'd have a picture of a piano in their house. Like, oh, come on, you know? And I was, right. I wasn't like that. I didn't, but I, I always, I put it down, but I also envied it. And now I realize at 53 that I want that more to understand what's that like to get into the piano. Like if someone asked me to play a tune, I'll play a little bit and go, oh, there you go. And we'll go. I won't actually sit down uh, my friend Nora plays here in Edmonton, which plays for the symphony, she's a harpist, and she will, when you ask her to play a song, she says, okay, what style? And she'll, you know, pick out a tune. She plays the whole song. And she, it's beautiful. She'll play this whole piece, and it's three or four minutes all the way through, ends it lovely, like she's given you a performance. Well, that's what you asked for. And then I said to her, I said, I don't understand how you do that. I said, because when someone asks me to play, I'll play a little bit, and then I'll stop and go, and I'll sit down on the couch, say, hey, and we'll talk about stuff. And she turned to me and she said, you know, it's like pouring someone half a glass of wine or just a little taste. He goes, Matt, you still got to start pouring them a full glass of wine. Yeah, and that's, that's the best. Point. Yeah, I, I love that advice. And and when she said that, like I play, you know, I work in a hospital, I work in music care. And, and now I've changed that attitude that maybe it's okay. Like, I don't think well, I have to be the best. I have to sound like Chris or I have to sound like Oscar or sound like somebody or David Foster. But I could just bring me and just trying to find out what is it to bring me to the piano and being okay. But somewhere in there, I wasn't okay with me. And I didn't right. want to let too much of me out in the piano because someone was going to say, they were going to start getting on their phone halfway through the song or whatever. And it did, I shouldn't have mattered. I should have just have played. The, so I'm starting to play the full glass of wine now. And I'm really thankful that Nora gave me that because there's something in me that just didn't want to do that. But yet we have this music gift. And so at 53, I'm finally hopefully trying to get into it more and really just let myself be taken into the music more instead of being freaked out by, you know, it's my yeah, profession. Yeah, but I... In- like I was saying with the, like making that separation, like it's so hard and I can tell you like on Saturday, I did a release in Calgary of my new record, uh, this wonderful club, uh, Asylum for the Art, um, beautiful space. I don't play a lot of my original music 
um, like even in the in the actual show you didn't or oh on no the I did but like in my professional life right, I don't okay. you know all the bulk of my work well, the rest is of all your stuff yeah but the bulk of my my existence is freelance so the piano was out of tune uh, I was struggling with it a little bit but literally I'm not kidding you in the first set I'm I'm playing my own originals and everything that's going through my head is you know what I think I'm done you know, I'm 51 and no, really? yeah I'm not kidding you like I was like I am, I'm struggling playing my own compositions and getting into like just yeah getting into exploring the music and I'm like yeah like completely getting anxious and not even really thinking about the music because I'm there's so much of that inside voice going on. Oh, okay, the inside voice. And walk off the stage and, you know, this guy comes up and he's, he loved, he's like, man, that was great. I uh, love this tune that you did. I love the vibe and reminded me of this, which was one of my heroes. And it put, <clears throat> it still didn't, excuse me, it didn't discount the fact that I felt that way. Uh, but it really put things in perspective as far as those feelings I think are natural. I just need to learn how to get those out of my, not let it vibe me out like that. Yeah. Where, where I, here's my music, you know. Um, and I talked to my friend Ruben on the drive home because we drove back after the gig. He was a quartet. What would you, what did was you? was a quartet. Sweet. And um, I said, yeah, I can't play my own music. Like, it just completely vibes me out. Like, I could, you know, do 150 gigs a year, like, playing heavy, like, complex jazz with all these different players. And I, yeah, there would be ups and downs within that. But, like, going up there and doing my own music completely right. trips me out. But yet it should be the same process. Like, I'm playing music. Yeah, it's just in my head. It just uh, it, it 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 completely throws me, but literally was going through my head. Yeah, I'm done. Wow, like, I don't want to feel this way. And no, like one, I, no one in the audience knows that. But there you are. You got your own. Yeah, got like, your own chamber. Of there, a good friend of mine. He could tell, like he was out in the audience and listening. He's like, yeah, you know, I can tell because I know you're playing. Um, but. It, it still, it sounds great, but I can tell like there's hesitation or, you know, certain things. And the second set was still not necessarily where I would have wanted to be just because I think I was, I was battling the piano and just, but I kind of got rid of that. And it was just, there was more just, hey, it's going to be what it is. Is it ideally where i think it should be no but you know this is and then i said to the audience i'm like i'm very very blessed to be able to do this like this is yeah my music that i'm sharing with you you know i i don't take that for granted and maybe that's the pressure also i feel is with my music not being a side person is that uh i don't want to let them down and then that just spins around in my brain as opposed to 
just letting it happen. And it, so the side person, you're part of it, but your music, you're the heart of it, right? You're, yeah. I can make a corny little poem, but yeah, that's, but 100%. You're it. it's you. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Wow. But so today leave it. Now you look back a few days after that, would you say, okay, I do, would you do that? Do you have a release in Edmonton? Do you have another release? Somewhere yeah. Else? I don't know exactly when the date will be, but there will be a release in Edmonton. So knowing that now going forward, is there a way that you can reframe for Edmonton to know, yeah, this is how I was feeling. Do you tell the audience? Do you work that through? Do you talk to a music psychologist or somebody or just kind of figure out what's, what's the next, what's a process or what's a tool? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I definitely would. I have a friend that has seen a music, uh, music psychologist talking about issues like that. Yeah. Like that's definitely something I'd be interested in where it's, but even in talking to some people that have done that, like I've got, I've got tools of just like, maybe it's taking a couple moments before the gig and just talking through that in yeah. my own head going, you know what it is? So what it is, yeah, it's going to be different because this, these are your tunes. You got to talk to the audience after the tune. You got to do this. So there's there's other things that you're thinking about. But how do you process that out of your mind before and then when you sit down and count off the tune? That's what it becomes. So like it's almost trying to get into this meditative state, deal with what you have to deal with, and then when you sit down that business side and get that voice that says you suck. Yeah. People are judging you like you're not good enough. Like, why do you think you have no right to be up here doing your original music? Like get all that out of your head and just create. And you know, you're with the musicians you hired. So it should be like this wonderful with your friends, experience. Like you and Ruben been friends a long time. And yeah. Like your, it should be this amazing yeah experience of regardless you know there's going to be days where it's amazing like everything just links up and it's like i don't know how the hell that happened but it did yeah but there's going to be days where it's not like that it's it's energy so i think i would just you know definitely going talking to someone that's got a little bit more insight to getting rid of that inv inside voice and getting more tools as far as how how you could deal with that and talk yourself down and and just become more focused on on that moment for sure some way distracting yourself i think you know you could well you could hire me to play drums and that would be very distracting for the audience and you you'd get your head out of and you'd be so focused on how horrible that was that your music would just come out i mean maybe that would be the thing that would unlock that that could be uh, i was actually thinking of something a little bit more uh physical where maybe you or someone would be standing behind me while I'm playing and just kind of, you know, nudging me once in a while. Or give you a haircut while you're playing. Something. Something. Like that could, yeah. that could work, right? Like tilt your head this way. <laughs> you know. But who's the, who's, the, um, who's the guy who wrote that book, Matt, The Master... Oh, I forget the name. I have to find it in my, in my collection. I should have had it before. Effortless Mastery. Effortless Mastery. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Great, great, yeah, great piano player. He's from player. Boston or Boston or New York or something. But he's got this thing where this visualization thing that he does. So he, you, you visualize yourself 
playing the piano like again and again. So you're actually seeing it like when you put a mirror against a mirror, you see all the, you, you distance yourself. So your mind is like, oh, that's pretty cool. So you're moving yourself out of the importance of every single, you know, every single note. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a bigger picture going on here. You're distracting yourself somehow. There's something about getting outside of yourself that gets you into yourself. or Yeah. Something. It's something like that. Yeah. Buy the book, because what I just synopsized isn't worth. Buy the book, I think. is. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, yeah, well, it's going to come to us right as we click the... Wonderful piano player. Anyways, another analogy that I've heard, and I can't remember where I've got it, where I think as artists, we tend to look at um, everything we do under this microscope um, and just crush it. Whereas, you know, I've used this with, with students and I can't really use it with myself is if you take, you know, the most beautiful, famous paint, your favorite painting, and you zone, zoom in on like a speck of it and look at that, you would be like, that's nothing. Like, why are you showing me this kind of thing, right? And you zoom out on this picture and it's like this beautiful work of art. You can see how everything syncs up. So doing the same thing, like, don't hyper-focus on that that one imperfection or that moment and just kind of explore, you know? Well, and there's albums you can listen to lots of recordings where they left it. They left the, the thing, it was, the note was wrong, technically wrong uh, in there, but there's something about they, they left it in there. There's all kinds of recordings, but there was something so beautiful about the whole thing that it would do a disservice to Kenny Werner. I looked That's, it up. Yeah, it was just, just <laughs> hit my brain. But it's a pretty cool book. It gets into some, it gets into some deep stuff. He gives meditation exercises in there. And I felt that I found that. He's actually clearly. got a ton of videos yeah. where he discusses it too, like for free, where he'll talk about it and just, yeah, it's. And the the guy is a very smart, extremely gifted human being as yeah. well. Yeah, but and to uh, have the heart to share because he would have gone through all that stuff, figured yeah. out ways, his tools to make it work. You know, one thing I, I picked up on in the last few months was uh, cooking. And I actually realized I'm, I'm not a bad cook. Like I'm, I'm, you know, but so I loved having people over and they'll have my food and I'll say, oh, that's really good. But, you know, if I compare myself to, you know, Ramsey or these guys, right, that these Hell's Kitchen guys or whatever they are, these top level, I, I would crush myself think, oh, I can't cook like that guy, so I'm not going to do it. It's funny that I don't let those, is it John Ramsey, the, the cook? Yeah, I think so, guys? yeah. Um, they, that doesn't intimidate because I don't I'm, think I'm, about that because I hate food. <laughs> That's right. You don't eat. I don't eat. You haven't eaten since we were in school together. That was like thirty-five years. It's just <laughs> straight intravenous. Which back then, like going to school and and showing up with like what are they called? Like it, the IV. Yeah, the IV bag. With IV you. bag. You didn't like, have time to eat. You transcended eating a long time ago. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't let that those head top chefs dissuade me. But I will let sometimes other musicians. Oh, they're so good. I'm, I shouldn't even do this. And you're right. There was something you said earlier about it's so inter, it's so intermeshed with your soul your music that it now it is you there, there but is that's the way it should be like um and you you should be able to learn a lot from that just that disassociation with hey yeah i love cooking i'm good at it yeah and i'm going to keep growing at it um but you're you look at that or recipes or if you watch cooking shows and that you look at that as inspiration you're not like comparing yourself right whereas yeah as artists i think we tend 
to zone in on, on that right away, like yeah. instantly. And it might be because our ears, not not even getting into, um, like being able to transcribe, like just amazing ears, but our ears in listening to what we like is probably way more advanced than what our playing capabilities are. And because of that, we can see, mm-hmm. like I can listen to an Oscar Peterson album and, and go, this is, it would, that's what I want to sound like. Not realizing how much work Oscar, I mean, obviously one of the greatest piano players and musicians of all time, but not realizing how much time and effort he put into it. You just see that end result. And we just latch on to that, you know, take that really personal as opposed to, again, you're, you're cooking, you love it. Yeah. It's just carefree, but you still want to grow. You're still pushing yourself, but you're not crushing your soul. Like if, you know, you mess up a recipe, you're not going, oh my God, you know, like get the knife out. I'm going to aim it at my wrists now and this piece out. You're not doing that. Yeah. But with the music side of things, like instantly, you're you're gravitating towards that. Well, they asked Tiger Woods about when he was golfing, and they said, "Do you get nervous?" He goes, "I'll get nervous all the time." And he said, "The reason I get nervous is I care about my audience." So there is a non-sociopath part of you. There's most of you a sociopath, but the, the non-sociopath part of you, Chris, that I know, is the caring. Right? Is that caring part? We all have to have that part that if we didn't care about our audience and that's sociopathic behavior. So there's, there's something good. I think about us feeling nervous or feeling worried. It's when it, it becomes too much and it consumes us and then we're yeah, yeah. In, unable to. So there's gotta be a, there's that silver lining in. Yeah. Chris that, cares about his audience and you want to give a good show. They've paid, what do they pay for a Chris Andrew concert now? Three or $4. I'm probably four. Uh, not quite up at there. I mean, I appreciate you for like the double, valuing me. For the double ticket pack is four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But usually like for a single concert, a couple bucks. Yeah. Tuny you get Chris. a pack call, of, well, uh, they call you Tooney Chris for a reason. Yeah, that's, that's true. And Tuny you get Andrew. a pack of uh, like upper deck, hockey cards as well <laughs> with the gum because I've got tons like when I was a kid I was obsessed with that so I bought boxes and boxes and, and that, boxes yeah. so it's actually vintage hockey cards yeah and if you get if you get concert. your tickets on Ticketmaster they, they they do take a little fee on that and stuff so it's like two, 250 I think now, yeah, right? yeah to go there but yeah there's something about you wanting to do a good presentation but here's another question for you when I when I get uh, comments back from a client and, it, and the email says comments from attendees, right. oh, here we go. And I, I, every time I get it, I open it up and I'm just dreading it. And the comments are normally really nice comments. Uh, they often wouldn't send, unless you really did a bad job, they say, man, we got to talk about your performance, whether I'm speaking in an event or, or music. But I still have that. I gasp and I lose, you know, a few heart rates, a few heartbeats over that. Do you find that too? If someone called up and said, Hey, got some comments about your show or here's all the comment cards from your show. Your initial thought is what? Uh, extreme fear. Of course. I mean, like you were saying, I, I think it's, it's, it's good to be nervous. It's good to be worried because it means you care. Yeah. Um, about how you're perceived, but also what you're giving the audience. And it's not like I, I don't want to suck because um, 
yeah, obviously I care about how I feel about the performance, but yeah, that weight is on your shoulder. Um, I, I'm the same as you. Like I, I, I would avoid that stuff. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I like getting criticized as far as like, I've got a, um, um, great friends, musicians that I played with for years that I'm really comfortable. Like my ego will be hurt. Like if sure. Or bruised, I should say. But I also know that these, um, these players, when they do say something that maybe it's their project or maybe they're hearing from a different perspective. So I take it into consideration the negative, like, you know, destructive criticism I try to stay away from. I'm sure it's around on my playing, but I, I mean, I do enough of that I think on myself. Yeah. So I try not to, I take it with a grain of salt um, because you never know the situation. Like I remember, um, and I'm pretty sure we had this conversation when the Atlas solo piano gigs started. Right, yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm not really this, uh, you know, pop piano type of player. Like, can I play some jazz standards, not take it outside, but just really straight in and then mix it in? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, fine. And then I, I, I'm not even going to remember the guy's name. But it was one of the opening nights, and I'm playing solo piano. The restaurant's packed. I remember that. You call, you talked to me. Yeah, we chat. And the guy, one of the managers from Vancouver comes up, and he's yelling at me. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Didn't you get the song list? Yeah. And he's, he's swearing. He's talking loud. He's like, you're supposed to be playing. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, you got to be playing stuff at 70 BPMs, like up, upbeat, upbeat. You want, yeah, hip hop kind of stuff. And... Like, I'm completely thrown. And uh, then he reams me out. And of course, at that time, I don't have enough material to cover that vibe. So now I'm, I'm making stuff up in that vibe, his, the so-called vibe that he wants. I can literally see him, like, as soon as he leaves uh, from talking to me, he's on the phone. Oh, no. And so he's calling... Um, Mitchell Entertainment and he's freaking out Yeah. then I'm getting more panicked while I'm trying to play and I get off the phone or set ends immediately I call and I'm like I'm so sorry and uh, she was like oh that's don't worry about it like Literally, he was calling me, and then as you were playing, he's like, oh, no, he completely switched the vibe. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Completely messed me up. Like, gave me anxiety to the point where, I don't know if I said it to you, I needed the money, but I'm like, you know what? I mean, I'm not the right person for this. Like, you should probably get someone else in here. Like, I'm out. And it took everything in me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn a lot from this gig. This isn't my bag. The guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. Yeah. If all of a sudden I just start improvising country tunes or in that style or pop tunes, and he's now okay with it. 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, and just go go on about like respecting the gig, respecting yeah. what I need to do for that, and learn and learning from it. And you did. I mean, I'd go and listen to you play. And you, yeah, you took these tunes, Justin Bieber and stuff, and they sounded awesome. I mean, you could you could have done actually literally a whole album on that stuff, and that was so cool because those tunes were coming out at the time, and you were putting these, you call it a tilt, put a tilt on the tune. It was sounded really sweet. Which I got. I remember another experience with another high up manager in the other club, where I was running the band at Haley's, and uh, um, I get this message from the my boss in Vancouver, and he's like, "What the hell is wrong with the piano player today? Like, this guy is the the boss is there, and he's freaking out. The guy is like, who is it? Matt Day? No. <laughs> Did you throw me under the bus? <laughs> no. So I go up to the guy. Like, of course, now I'm like, this is right before I go on with the band. So the whole set for an hour and fifteen minutes, I'm going. Yeah. Oh my God, who is this? And I'm completely distracted. <laughs> Can't wait for the set to end so I can find the big boss and, and go up to him and say, hey, what, what was the issue? Who was, like, I'm standing like closer than we are right now. And I'm like, hey man, I, I hear that you had a problem with the, the piano player yes, uh, tonight. And I just want to, what was the issue? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't tonight. It was la last night. It was, I mean, the, the guy didn't play any melodies at, at all. And like, it was <laughs> like, it was, it was awful. Like, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a second. I played piano last night. <laughs> and so I, I kept listening to him talk and he's like going off and he's like, yeah, there was no melodies. Like, and I'm like to the guy, dude, that was me last night and I also remember you walking by me looking at me playing and smiling and waving like acknowledging that I actually did it he's like I think it's Jason that was the guy yeah <laughs> yeah and he was like oh and then he was backpedaling he's yeah. like well you didn't play any of the tunes from you were playing different than you would play at Atlas and I'm like I was playing exactly what I played at Atlas and I did like you know, I'd play those tunes and I'd stretch out a little bit, but it wasn't like I was, you know, playing in a pop style. It was your beatboxing, I think, when you were beatboxing. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but they, at that point, I'm like, these guys have no clue. Like he just, he was, he could have been walking by literally when maybe I, I did stretch out within the style or the vibe of that and wasn't hearing. Yeah. Or, you know, his boss, and uh, there was another moment where all the bosses were there. The band was playing, and then same thing, I get this message from Vancouver, and the, my boss is like, oh my God, you got to call me right away, like in the set break. And I call him, and he's like, man, you guys got to play, like, Jason's there, you got to play uh, Frank Sinatra tunes. Like, he's freaking out, like... And I'm sitting there going, in that, like, I can literally see the, the boss's table. They're sitting there. No one's really in the club. And we played two Frank Sinatra songs in a, in a row. And I, and I said to him, I'm like, you want the, and we were recording at that time, like, every 
every night there would be a documentation. I can send you the audio and you can hear it, but I was literally watching these guys sit there, eat, drink. They're not paying attention to us at all. And they literally probably, you in my head, the guy just went, oh my God, I should be paid. I got to make some notes so that I can now give notes to my boss. Yeah, and the hierarchy that was yeah, going on. Yeah, like it was, it was more apparent than any any other point that these these people in the position of power really had no clue of what was going on. And yeah. as soon as I realized that, like that, when he was like, "Yeah, this piano player is awful," like, and I'm like, "You, yeah, that was me." And. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, to the point where he's like, like I was completely freaked out. And he's like, well, you know, you're not playing what you should and I'm, or what you were at Atlas. And he heard me tons at Atlas. I'm like, I was playing exactly. And then in my head, I'm like the musician and the, the perfectionist or like the, constantly wanting to, to grow was like, well, what does the guy in Vancouver do? Like, and he's like, oh, that guy's great. I love um, that line. <laughs> yeah, the guy's great. It's like, like when I'm growing and I'm up, like, why well, can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? Yeah. So he's yeah. like, that guy was great. And I'm like, well, give me his information. Maybe I can have a conversation with him and, and basically get a lesson with him, just virtually, maybe just how do you approach this? And um, I don't think it ever got, like I think I sent him an email and then I there were some online videos and... I don't think he was even really, I don't think piano was his main instrument. He played guitar or something. And like he, he was good at doing what, it, what he was doing. He was playing extremely basic stuff. Um, and I just, I, in my, in my head, I'm like, there's no way I can do, I want to do that. And then maybe the, obviously the gig's not me. If, if he's looking at that's the way it should be. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that because, yeah. you know, like I said, I don't, I'm not going in there and Keith Jarrett and all these pop tunes, like starting off like Justin Bieber and then playing it, the melody and everyone's like, oh, that's great. I can hear the melody and Bates then all switch. of a sudden switching into avant-garde jazz in the middle of it. I wasn't doing that. And maybe that's what, the, there was a specific vibe they wanted but i also know that when i played atlas yeah it was different than you playing it or any of the other great piano players that were involved in that i never i never got vibed out as far as those guys and the bosses like i had people sitting there and and appreciating the fact that you know i put my own tilt to it i didn't have people like screaming because i didn't do it straight up yeah so it is what it is and but at that time it crushed me like i i was just i don't like well, and there's a whole dreaded going to atlas like to and i'm like okay i gotta bail out of this gig like the anxiety of walking in there um to the point where i remember i can't remember the bartender's name but this one guy that freaked out on me, he was in the back room. I had someone come up to me and request a jazz standard. And, yeah. and he was like, 
don't play any, any jazz. It's got to be this, like none of it. Well, and there's a whole thing around definitions. I mean, people don't really, when they hear jazz, they, they think, yeah, some crazy out avant-garde thing. They're not thinking maybe Diana Krall, which would, you know, land yeah. in that pop jazz kind of, and maybe that's what they're looking for. That was a whole cascade of uh, new building, new concepts. And I don't think anybody really knew. And yeah, you got stuck in the learning curve of them right at the beginning. Which but, again is great. Like, I love that. If it's a positive, like, like I said, right. If we're all learning together, like at the beginning of it, like I was going to walk away because my, my brain is like, I don't want to disrespect this vibe yeah. because it is a vibe. And just because, you know, maybe people might think because I love jazz and I play jazz that I look at that as beneath my, my, it's not, it, I, it's the farthest thing from the truth. So in my head, I'm like, I I don't want to disrespect, you know, the other players doing this and who are looking at me trying to do this. Yeah. Um, but I love the challenge. And at the end of it, for me, it was like, yeah, it was a fun, it, mostly the only thing that kept me in it was, and without bailing, was the financial aspect of it. And that was a, yeah, it was a nice little, yeah. yeah, it was financially, it was good, but more for me, it was good to, to push me in a direction that was completely out of my comfort zone. Yeah. That got me doing a lot of different things that it, it added to my jazz playing. So if you're, you would say to your students or someone starting out in music, expand that repertoire, expand that, get that, get diverse now, begin to learn, you know, begin to pick up, you know, tools and stuff from other styles and, and bring that forward. The other thing we talked about when you're, I think a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting, I, I made a comment about this because um, I'm seeing this coach in, in the States and helping me kind of get through stuff. Mm -hmm. And she had talked about the globalization of comments, right? Where you, instead of saying, oh, that was great or that was bad, um, you need to train people by saying, hey, you know, when you, when you say that, I'm going to ask you a question back. And that question is what worked and what didn't. And so to be able to ask the, those guys in Atlas what worked, what didn't actually have a conversation, but they weren't giving you that. They were giving you... No, and I would ask that. I did, because again, I'm in a learning experience. I mean, I remember asking you a ton of that. Like, what would you do? Like, what kind of repertoire? And you, you really helped me out on a lot of that stuff, for sure. I have no issue. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, when you ask those, those people in those positions, and they have no clue and they're ignorant and condescending coming back the other way. And that wasn't just with, with me, that was the way they were running the whole organization. It's that disrespect for, uh, where people are at and not being able to communicate properly. But you, you, I remember you switched fast because you were getting into some sound garden stuff. Uh, like, um, what, what was that one kind of really cool, uh, blues, something about sky or, or dark. Anyway, I'll mess it up. I'm going to have to look it up online. Uh, but right away, you picked up these tunes, and I would come in, they'd say, oh, Chris learned this song. Or like right away, you didn't hesitate in terms of trying to get that that thing going to the point that I have some servers come on and say, oh, can you play this tune? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, Chris does. I'm like, yeah, th thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. So that's why <laughs> that's why it slashed your tires. It wasn't that's anything That's right, else. and I remember that. Was, and and because you left that black hole sun black hole sun that was the tune you yeah, yeah you went and picked up but that you tune. uh back to the right. slashing of the tires you left a really um to the point 
note on why you did it, which I, I mean, at and the end of it, there, I, I couldn't be mad at you because no, I'm you like, you know and what? Did I not leave a tire repair kit? You did as Hello. well. Hello. And I was like, yeah. I deserve this. Yeah. And you've taught me a le- life lesson here. And then I patched my tire and I, I moved on. But I think now like, I know how to patch a tire too, right? right? And you know how to get other people angry at you. So you're, you're good at both of those yeah, things. You know? Exactly. But if you are, I mean, yeah, if I was starting out and someone told me, like when I was 20 years old, hey, Matt, whenever someone says, hey, great playing. I remember Tommy Banks one time. Remember the Yardbird would have this jam on Tuesday nights? Maybe they still do. Yeah. And I was just like, I knew four jazz tunes. So we played Blue Boss or something. And I played with it, went out and I was so nervous. And Tommy came up after, and this lovely gentleman just said, hey, really enjoyed that, thank you. You know, he had that way, right, of just encouraging. He didn't say, oh, you're better than this or worse than this. But I just really felt affirmed by him. But had I had the tools to say, hey, Tommy, can I have two minutes with you and ask you a question? And I would say, Tommy, what worked and what didn't? And say, okay, Matt, here's what I'm hearing in your playing right now. Here's what I like. Here's what you could work on. I would love to get that. I didn't get that until I had Tommy, we had lunch. Um, I asked him some questions about music therapy. I was asking him to come to the hospital. We went and had lunch. And after we left, this was about a year before he died. And I said, and I now I had the tools to ask him the question. And I, we left and said, Tommy, I've never got a lesson from you. What would you, what would you tell me one thing? He goes, learn, learn all your tunes by ear. Because you've been learning your tunes out of a book. And it's great. The school taught you learning out of a book, but you got to learn by ear. I said, why is that? He said, because you'll always be able to play them in any key and you'll never forget them. So that day for the, and it was the Atlas tunes, but I think it works for jazz tunes, a little harder with the harmonies, but I learned every tune by ear after that. And people come up and you did that too. All of a sudden I wasn't opening my iPad anymore. I was able to get these tunes, tunes, tunes. And it was like, I go back to Ipanema. I can't play Ipanema without a sheet in front of me. And I can't change keys to save my life in that tune, but I learned it by sight. And so that was my Tommy Banks. But if I had that, I wonder how it would have shaped me. So yeah, if you're listening, you're a young player, ask those questions early. What works and what doesn't with my playing? What works, what doesn't? Just don't take the, hey man, great playing, right? Nice to work. Yeah, what worked, what doesn't? Oh, you sped up in that. You always rush this line or something, whatever that is. And being able to take that without getting too bent out of shape about it. Yeah, know? and that's uh, that's the, the key is to take it as a positive as opposed to, and again, like, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you've spent a lot of time working on something, you're, it's, it's an ego thing, right? You're, yeah. Not that you have, you would have a big ego, but it's, you've worked on these things and then someone's telling you, yeah, that's, maybe look at it some more. So it's just, again, well, if you start looking at it as, you know, you're you're gonna. It's not a two year program. It's it's a sixty seven year right <laughs> program, and you're gonna constantly. That's the beauty of it is you're never gonna get bored unless you want to get bored, and it's this wonderful experience of growth um, and evolution, like evolving in your playing and your your philosophy of music. So it's... Well, and the resources now that... I remember watching you, uh, you'd be in the practice rooms and you'd have a CD player in those days. You couldn't just mark, uh, like now some of the apps, right? Auto, um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, any tune. Any tune. Yeah, you can just go that phrase and you can slow it down and it doesn't change the pitch. And you were working on those and you'd work on that stuff a lot. And back in the days when you were, you'd have to lift something off a record and you want to hear that spot again. I mean, those guys, they'd have to go back to the groove. Yeah, go find the yeah. groove. So your ear had to be really sharp. But now all the resources on YouTube, the lessons, I mean, the, the stuff out there to improve. I like that at any age. It's not just a two-year program. It's 60, 70 years. You can be learning anything at any time. Yeah, and I think if you that. talk to a lot of those 
those masters that you look up up to, um, I think a lot of them. I'm trying to think of someone had a really good way of pointing it. Where um, trying to remember exactly how it was, where they were so intent of you know trying to to look around the corner and get there right away as opposed to yeah. looking straight ahead and seeing the journey um, and how it would unfold and always like trying to jump ahead or... Waiting for the view, right? Yeah. Waiting to get, get to the view. The summit, so the yeah. more that you can get into that at an early age or create that regiment where you're like, it's not, especially with with anything artistic, it's... and when you want it to flow out artistic, it's going to be this process where you, you absorb something and it could take a while, like the repetition, 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 and then you've got to let it go. Mm -hmm. And then down the road, now it can start coming out organically and that's part of the process. So it's not like you're going to, you know, work on a concept and you know this when you're learning new tunes, like you'll slam out a new tune, you go and play it at a gig and it'll feel forced or mechanical. Very rarely is it going to be like this artistic statement of musicality right off the bat because you have to internalize it. So you're not really even thinking about it. Yeah. And that's part of the process. But I think we as artistic beings forget that that's part of the process and automatically jump to, hey, it sounds like this on the recording. That's what they did. I learned it off the recording or I learned it. And why isn't it like that? Yeah. I suck. As opposed to, I mean, you, those. And you the, never sweated out what that guy or that girl did to. Yeah. If you actually had video documentations of what they, like yeah. their process, you would be like, oh my God. You know, or if you were talking to them, what was your process in learning? Well, man, Ed, I worked on this tune. You know, there's some great interviews with Bill Evans, and you know, he's like, I, I spent months and months every day shedding these changes. You listen to him on his recording of whatever, and he's soloing, and you're like, this is absolute brilliance. It must have just no, and it yes, was, yeah. and here's one of the most gifted musical geniuses ever, and. He's telling you, yeah, every day for months, two hours a day, just working through these changes, you know. So the hard work is the genius. That's part of the genius, isn't it? It is. Someone asked George Carlin, who is a great comedian, and he seemed very improvisational. I suppose he was, if you watch him in, in a talk show. But the, the lady asked him, uh, some, the question to the effect of, it's amazing watching you because you're just so free up there. You're just so extemporaneous. It just flows out of you. Yeah. And he's almost insulted. He said, what you see on the stage is nine months of intense rehearsal in my house. Every facial expression, every hand gesture, every pause, that whole thing is rehearsed in, in, over and over again until it's down like that. And she was like, wow, it doesn't come. because yeah, of course, after nine months of working it out. And so that's what a lot of people don't want to, you know, I wasn't willing necessarily to put in the work in certain areas. And then you, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, there's an, uh, and I have to go back and watch it again, but it was on Netflix, it was Jerry Seinfeld where he was going back in. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got all the yellow papers on the ground or something. I or, think so, yeah. yeah. I have to go back and watch it, but it was him going back into the comedy clubs. So this yeah. is after, like, yeah. he, 
he did Seinfeld show and he sold and made hundreds of millions of dollars. He's like, I'm going back in. And you see that process where he go like, yeah, papers on the floor. He goes into a club and this joke bombs, this thing bombs. And the process of him um, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work again. And it's great to see, even if you're not a comedian, but you see that, that the work, you know, one of the, the more successful comedians in the world who's hit the high of high going back and you see the process that it's not like he just wakes up and goes up in front of an audience and just riffs like it's this process totally and it's it really puts things in perspective i think maybe you have the occasional robin williams kind of you know freaks that are able to but even him he had a lot of he would have put in a lot of work to uh to make that happen but there's still yeah that's it's the hard it's the yeah. hard work and i wonder then if um you know are there tools that we would what what tools we if we go into a, a setting uh, we're going to a show doing a concert we're doing a stand up thing whatever that looks like what are some for sure if we don't know what we're doing let's at least do these things because we know these things work like you know maybe um, kindness and humility might be one of the things you find in most players the kind and the hum humble players are the ones that even if they you're a little more forgiving if they make a mistake or something there's just something about that you don't want to go so far as self deprecating every song you're like. Oh, I'm no good. I've, I play with guys that, and girls that um, after someone they're done a solo or they're done a um, a set, someone will come and say, "Oh, great playing!" Like, "Oh, no, it wasn't." And they right away they start downplaying it, which it doesn't uh, it doesn't respect the comment that just came to you from. So there's got to be a way to say, "Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you very much." Even if you're feeling like inside, I'm dying. Thank you very much. And there's still a way to. So what would be some things that we could always do at an event, at a show that we know, no matter how I play, these things are always going to land well. As far as preparation or like presentation presentation, just in, yeah, in terms of presentation knowing that ah, my head's not there but i know at least if i if i do these things i'm at least going to have some success well if i mean what you just pointed out i think is a good one and going back to one of the the comments that i was saying about my cd release in calgary where during the set i was i'm done and then yeah. having people come up in that situation. And the first thing I wanted to say was, you know, they're coming to me saying, yeah, that was great, man. I especially love this last tune, the energy, blah, 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 blah. blah. The first thing I wanted to say to them was, I am so sorry. Yeah. Um, being able to go, oh, thank you so much. Because they have a different perspective. And in all honesty, when I did that, I think that's, you know, when you go from table to table and people are saying, man, that was great. Like really dug this element and this element and the, the energy and, you know, walk up there at the end of the, and you do you that, know, you go out and chat with tables a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but then going up for the second set and it going better, a lot of that in all honesty is probably coming from, you know, those replacing the inner, um, discussion uh, in my head about everything that went wrong and going, hey, there's, yeah, I've got some issues, but people are digging this and it's sure. it's it's hitting them and making a difference in their evening, whatever that is. 
I should be thankful for that. And I should be, yeah. you know, let's have fun. It's not like I'm not, you know, in Ukraine right now. I'm not like in this disaster area, like right. things, like it's right. not. So that I think when you brought up, like just being able to go, thank you, you know, like forget about that. What happened you know, you can analyze it. Like I can go back and analyze exactly what went went on, but not dwelling on it. Um, being humble as far as uh, um, you're very lucky to be in that situation where you are performing, you are gigging, you are making money. Yeah. Um, it's it is humbling. Playing it, with your friends. I mean, there's something you're about playing, playing with people you really like. You're playing with people you like. You're playing in front of people you like. You're Oscar Peterson used to come out. It's a once in a while. I don't know how often, but uh, he'd come out first on the stage on, on set break, and he'd take the, the E string on Ray Brown's bass. Oh, there was and he down tune it. Hey, he just drop it and Ray. Oh, great. So there's this love. That's but what he's saying is I love you. Like if you, you know, when you tease someone, you have some fun with someone. There's something about you're saying I love you to, to the person, right? And even when you're playing, I remember going out on the stage one time, and a drummer told me just before we went out, he says, Hey, Matt, just kind of pray for me. Just think about me. My wife just got uh, noticed. You know, she got the medical report back. She got cancer. And that's what he said as we walked out on stage. And I'm just like, oh. wow. And this guy's a real, real gentle guy. And we walked out. And I just felt, when he was playing, his eyes were closed. And every chord I was playing, I was just, I was digging in, but it was for him. It was for him. It was like, that was, and there was this really cool connection that was about, about 20 years ago, but there was a really cool connection yeah. that happened. There's something about love, right? Something about, I love my audience. I love my craft. I love the guys I'm playing with and the girls I'm playing with. There's something about that, that we can maybe we maybe that's a tool is to default back to what yeah i like the way you put that because there's other ways to to reframe it yeah and, and if and that's a mindset i guess before you even play just taking that moment yeah to center. to center yourself and just go hey this is i'm pretty lucky to be able to do this and let's just have fun like take that pressure off of you know it's got to be this perfect perfect show it's got to be you know, when people are listening to me, they got to hear this. They got to be wowed. Like, get rid of all that and just ex have have the experience, which well, is the hardest hardest mindset I think to get into that. But the more you, you can get into that habit, it just takes that pressure off of. It is what it is right now. Like, it could be a really bad day, playing wise, but it also. I could be having a really bad day, like you just pointed out, where your friend's wife has been diagnosed. And now through that, there's this medicine or this energy that's going back and forth. And, you know, he could have been completely defeated. And now you play and he's got this energy. And he's like, you now he's going to take that energy home. For sure. And to be cool. able to support his his wife, his partner through that, that time. So it's it's... Yeah, that's, I mean, that would be the number one thing, I think, is just mindset. Like, just be positive, be thankful. Well, and it's, and, and wrong notes, or we call wrong notes, you know, you know what's interesting is Beethoven, the second note of Fur Elise, it's a wrong note, right? The, the very second note we hear is a wrong note. It's an E flat. And that doesn't belong in that key at all, really, unless it's blues or something. But, and so, for some reason, the Beethoven understood how to take what we would perceive as being a wrong yep. note 
and making it and then repeating it, da, 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 right? And repeating it over and over and saying, I'm okay with this. I, I don't, and I know it's intentional around what he did, but there's something beautiful in those notes that, I mean, it's just a frequency, man. It's just, it's just a frequency. And now you're, you've lost your mind. You've lost, and some people have lost their careers over it. They can't get over how bad something went, maybe in sports or maybe in music, and they yep. just can't ever get back in that place, right? And you'll find examples of it, like in Beethoven, like there's a, it was circulating, I'm not sure where, I might have it, but there's circulation of one of his famous pieces, like the manuscript, and it's like the evolution, or they have the evolution of what this famous piece ended up being, and then you actually see his workflow, yeah. and it wasn't like, like, this amazing like it's just it just came out it was like this process some sweat from this you know musical genius so um those are important moment um moments that we can learn from like just carl young has this expression and i'm going to get it wrong but it's something like circumambulation like to ambulate to move circum to go you basically he says you'll go around yourself over and over again until you work that thing out Till that little bit of fear or to that anxiety, whatever that thing is, you will, that will come back again and again until you work it out. You find that tool to, to move past it. And that's music all the time is like that, right? There's yeah, certain, yeah. you know, getting past that. Plus, you have to prepare for the Balzac International Jazz Festival, and that is vibing you out. That is, yeah, because they expect a certain sound in Balzac. Yeah. Like, they really do. They're hard hard people to please and they know what they want and if 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 you take it another direction they'll they'll call you out on it so yeah a lot of pressure they'll call you out for sure yeah yeah so uh upcoming edmonton you've got something maybe a release in the next by the way if you were in calgary you didn't like chris's show that you can get your two dollars back people can call yeah i will uh, just I call will. Ticketmaster. they'll yeah. refund the toonie uh, yeah yeah no i'll hand deliver uh the toonie and anywhere in alberta perfect uh, and that's not a scam. Like, just uh, you're going to get a text from Chris. Just click on it. Don't worry about it. Just click, click on, on just, that link. It's not a scam. And we were talking about scams earlier and what's going on out there with crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to talk about it anymore. I'm very. That's another. Uh, that's another podcast. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, that's the CD release should happen at some point. Uh, maybe not in the fall. Maybe in uh, maybe it'll be something in the new year. Well, but maybe Christmas gift for somebody, or and you yeah. do that Yardbird Suite here in town, or. Yeah, actually, this weekend at the Yardbird Suite with Kent Sangster, he's put a quintet together, I believe. Piano, bass, drums, tenor, and uh, trumpet. So that should be fine. And then trumpet is the one with the three buttons. Three three buttons. Yeah. How, how tough is that, right? Come it's on. three buttons. Eighty-eight keys, three buttons can be yeah. break. So, cool. Yeah, so you guys are there, and that's all weekend. Is it Friday, Saturday? Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Sweet. And is it some of Kent's music or? I think there's going to be some Kent's music and then some standard kind of repertoire, but yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. So if you're in Edmonton, uh, you can go to the, check out the Yardbird Suite. You can Google that. Uh, is it yardbirdsuite.com or what's it? Yes, I believe. If you yeah. type in Yardbird Suite yeah. Jazz Club, like it'll come up. It's not like Bob's Garage. It's a pretty rare name. Yeah. Type in Yardbird Suite and you can check out stuff and it'd be great to see you there. Yeah. Uh, and right now you're working at Miku and you got a good fresh batch of students doing Yeah. Cool I'm really stuff. looking forward to that. Um, yeah. I think on some of the episodes, uh, we'll get you to play some tunes, maybe talk about some tunes a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. Throw in some you of that. You got a beautiful uh, grand piano in here. So <laughs> yeah, I do. 
we'll get that thing tuned up and we'll uh, we'll give it a rip. Yeah, man. See how see how it goes. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Um, yeah, keys to life. I don't know. Well, keys to life. I love it. Yeah, I love if, it. Yeah, we'll find a way to maybe get some people to give us some feedback, any thoughts, things to talk about. And we just want to have a place where uh, conversations like this can make you know being in music and performance normal and yeah. just like hey, we've all got challenges, things that you know worry us and. Any parting thoughts for budding musicians, uh, full-time musicians, seasoned musicians out there? Parting thoughts. Uh, uh, be gentle with yourself. Love it. Be gentle. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can't do better than that, Chris. Be gentle with yourself. I like it. Till next time. Till next time. Thanks, man. You're welcome. See ya. <laughs>